Welcome back to another quarantine edition of Dash the Cuddy. I'm your host, Madhusha Senthal. Okay, so remember last season when we did that episode on that topic that you didn't really want to hear or talk about or listen to in front of your parents? Ring any bells? I mean, I'll give you a hint. It starts with S and ends with X. And, you know, the guest on that show, her name was Frida Banks and you all loved her. Anyways, we're doing a part two. So today's episode is going to be featuring the incredible Frida Banks once again, which I am ecstatic for, but we're going to be diving a little bit deeper into the topic of sex. When we first did this episode, we were kind of hesitant. We weren't sure how the community was going to receive this. You know, it's taboo. It's something that a lot of us don't discuss openly, but to our surprise, that episode did incredibly well and we got so many messages from people who loved it, who wished that they had these conversations earlier and who had even a lot more to say than we anticipated. So with that being said, this is going to be a part two on season two for episode five of Dash the Cuddy. We're answering questions that you sent us, as well as exploring some other issues within this realm, etc., etc. So instead of me rambling on, I'm going to go ahead and welcome back our guest, Frida Banks. Welcome back to Dash the Cuddy. This episode is really exciting because we're welcoming back one of our original season one faves, hey, hey. Miss Frida Banks. Welcome back. Hey. Okay. It's so nice to be back. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people are equally excited because your episode was fire. And I got so many questions and love for your episode. Um, yeah, so I'm glad you're back. I'm glad to be back. I'm back in Scarborough, back in the Vern, back with my family. I love coming up here. Yeah, Frida did her whole like, hey. very nurturing. What are you up to? Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> oh, I you love know, you guys. Yes. I literally do. So and I you know, she, you she brought love. she brought a friend here with her, um, her as well, hey. and she was just like hyping us all up. I'm like, okay, shout yeah, out Krista. Yes. She doesn't really, I guess, know anything about us, so we can fake it till we make it. It's all good. I'm willing to learn. There we go. There we go. So Frida's episodes are always that's how. But that's how all white people should enter people of color spaces. Willing to learn. So she's white. So I guess yeah. Yeah, y'all can't there. see that. But that's Thanks. right. First lesson. First lesson. We're already there. Come and learn. That's me. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit more about you because you're you're always doing something incredible. Your projects are always changing. It's been, I guess, over a year yeah. since we last had yeah. you on the pod. Congratulations. Thank bomb, you. Bomb. I mean, a year in the podcast game. Yeah. I mean, Dash the Cuddy hey. wouldn't be the same without Janssen, Gao, and of course, all our incredible guests. So yes. thank you. Yes. And, thank you. and our boys behind the scenes. The man I'm y'all behind um, the boards. What are you up to? Like, what is new with Frida? Because there's a lot going on with you right now. And I know you're looking at me like, is there? Yeah, there Everything is. Everything and nothing. Really. I mean, you're doing some really cool work, right? With a lot of young Tamil women. Uh, yeah, so I guess I'll start off the way that I always start off. My name is Frida Banks, and I act, I write, and I... Talk shit. Infamously talk shit. And I guess the talking shit part really has come to mean 
you know, these amazing podcasts, interviews. Anytime anybody gives me a chance to do something, I'm going to talk my shit. And it led me actually to working with amazing young Tamil women from around grade 8 to grade 10, grade 8 and grade 9 primarily. Mm-hmm. And I was working with them with an amazing uh young mentor in our community, Abi, who I think you... Yes, she's actually on season two, so you guys are sharing a hey. season this year. So I love Abi, and uh, her and I basically coordinated and taught a program about uh, how to deal with gender-based violence. What does that look like in the Tamil community? What does that look like in a wider South Asian community? And what are ways that we can unpack this? And move forward. And I think what was really cool about gender-based violence, it wasn't just about the physical abuse, but there was mental, psychological, um, shadism was a part of that. Um, We looked at so many different ways that young women in our community are suffering and sometimes suffering, most times suffering silently. And uh, man, shout out to all those young women. They are amazing, 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 amazing. Awesome. Yeah. It's incredible work. It was an Um, arts program pretty much. Yeah, and I think it's really important. And I think back to how it was when we were growing up, oh, very different, yeah. very different. But you know what? You can't even hate on that. I'm, I'm really glad that young girls have these opportunities and these resources. And I'm glad people like you are actually giving back, right, um, in terms of that. Yeah. I mean, I think our community, our community is somewhat new in terms of our presence in Canada, mm-hmm. but I think that we lack in terms of programming with our young people. I think that's something that really as Tamil people, as Sri Lankan people, we need to invest in these programs more, right? Because there's nothing out there. This was the first time that an organization that has been doing this work for a long time even got the grant money to run a project like this. You know, other communities are light years beyond the things that we are doing, the things that we can do, especially now with all of um, the young people, the artists, the creatives, the activists that are in our community. It's time that we do something for the young, for the Mm -hmm. kids who don't have access like we have access to right now. Right. Or just needing that big brother, that big sister to give them that push, help them, you know, show them what they can do, where they can go, um, how they can move through something. We really, I can't even... It's an understatement, you know, like we really, really need it. You know, let's put our money in that, you know. What compelled you to do this program, though? Like, I know there's other things you could be doing, as anyone could do, but like what about this made you want to do it? Yeah, I've always been fascinated with brown identity. I think just I'm brown. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm brown. In case you didn't know. Yeah, you know, I'm brown. And I always felt growing up that we did not have a safe space to talk about what brownness meant to us. And so I was always looking for other resources to help me. Um, so hip hop became a huge resource in my life because that was a culture that was forming black identity and questioning that and representing that in a way that the generation before was not doing. Right. So they were the voice of the now. And so hip hop in a lot of ways started asking. I started asking myself, like, OK, so what is my role here? You know what I mean? Um, what is my place? Um, how do I move? I listen to this type of music, but what is brownness? Like to me, it was always like either you follow white rockers or you do what hip hop people do. There wasn't an actual brown identity. It was Mm -hmm. like pick either or. And so for me, I've always going to a white school, being in Brampton, there were, it was very Punjabi heavy, not a lot of Sri Lankan people. I was constantly just asking the question, like beyond this national pride, 
beyond this idea that, yes, 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 I'm Tamil, yes, I'm this, yes, I'm that, what does it really mean to you, right? Um, beyond war, beyond just being an immigrant, what does it mean to you? What did it mean for your parents? What did it mean for your grandparents? What did it mean for your ancestors? And so I've always been on a search for that, whether that be in South India, whether that be in Scarborough, whether that be in Brampton. I did a project with grandmothers and granddaughters talking about patterns of abuse. And so literally the grandmothers and the granddaughters would interview each other through the camera. And they were learning so much about each other. They were learning, the grandmothers started talking about how their mother-in-laws treated them. Mm -hmm. You know, and about the mentality that they kind of brought with them here to Canada, right? And right. Uh, that really opened my eyes. And then I was like, yo, I want to do something like this in the Tamil community, right? So it was always, I think I was just waiting for the right time and the right opportunity um, to do that. And then it presented itself this year and I jumped on it. I fought for it. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I know you guys only want me here for like a few weeks to be a guest, but can I just run this whole shit? Because I... First of all, I have the experience working in community for over 10 years of my life. And I wanted to bring those resources that I had, like doing with all these other communities. I wanted to bring that back to my people in Scarborough. And that was really the, the idea behind it. And how was your experience working with these young people? Because I know we don't give yeah. a lot of credit to yeah. our young people. Yeah. So what was your experience like? Fucking incredible. They're ready to take over the world. They're so much more progressive than us. Mm -hmm. And they're so open-minded and, and they're ready for it. They're yearning for it. They want it so badly. They, I think young people in Scarborough and in the suburbs, they're tired of coming to the same old pizza night, mm -hmm. doing the same old thing at, at Scarborough Town. They want more. And that's literally, I think, what the programming taught me. They asked me, you know, literal questions about everything from sexuality to race to gender. Um, they brought up uh, scenarios that were happening in their schools, in their homes, and we dissected it using poetry, using theater. Theater of the Oppressed was one um, really important thing where they would pick different stories of gender-based violence. And then together as a group, we would uh, do like a survey, okay, which story do you guys want to do? Mm -hmm. And we would enact the story. So, and we would enact it until the students found a solution of how they could go about in their everyday dealing with that particular moment of violence, right? Whether it be sexual harassment, whether it's um, getting abused at home. And so we chose those scenarios and we kept acting them out, acting them out um, until we would find solutions in class, right? So like they were open. They were, I think those girls gave probably more to Abi and I than we were able to like give to them yeah, in those sure. months, right? Their excitement, their love. Do you know how much it meant to them for them to be able to see brown role models model something back that wasn't just don't do it? Mm -hmm. Do you know how scared they are to even tell an older cousin? Yeah. Like they're getting, you know, harassed. Something's happened to them and they can't even tell an older cousin because they're scared that that cousin's going to go tell their auntie and their auntie's going to like, that's the fear that our girls live in. And I, I just want to say to all the Tamil girls out there, all the girls, holler at me, Frida underscore Banks. I'm not, I'm not saying I can just show up everywhere and beat everybody up that needs to be. But what I can do is take you somewhere where you can make a complaint. I can help you talk to somebody. I can hopefully bring you to a resource, you know? So that's, they, they really just need us to model to them how to do it. Because mm -hmm. we went through the same things they went through. So if we got through it, they, they want, you know, they need some help as well. Right. Yeah, right. And they don't have to go through it with as much struggles as we did, mm -hmm. you know. And so I just want to say, really, like, you know, DM me if, if anybody needs help. 
or <laughs> I don't know what I could do right now as I'm even saying it, but well, you'll find something. You'll find people have been do. coming all around since I did this podcast, um, asking me all types of things, and um, I've been able to be this weird big sis, big sister, yeah. like sexual support line almost in a way. So yeah, and yeah. so this is what I mean by Frida does a lot of incredible work, and you kind of gave me a look like I do, but this is it. Yeah, it doesn't this feel like it. That, that's um, work, but but yeah. you know what? Maybe that's because it should be a norm. It's what we should be modeling to young women. Yeah. Um, especially because we relate to them more than, you know, their parents might or even our parents might, right? Yes. Um, I think the social media influencers, I think they're so important now. I think for us to be able to have that community. But if you can do it offline, you know, do it offline as well. Even yeah. if it's just for two girls you know in your life. Even it's for if it's for a cousin. You know, this is, if I can say this right now, that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, our generation, so people in their 20s and their 30s, the what are we, the millennials or yeah. the whatever they call it, we're millennials, right? I find millennials we are breaking out of a lot of molds and it's incredible. But I think we're waiting too long for those molds of our parents and grandparents to be broken magically. Mm -hmm. Guess fucking what? They're not going to be broken. So it's up to us as the millennials to stand up for the young people in our family. So if you know there's an uncle that's perpetrated and who keeps on coming to the family gatherings, well, if you're fucking 20-something years old at this point, then make your voice be heard. Very Don't important. invite that person to your house. Ask that young person in the family how you can support them. Take them to counseling. If their mom, you know, or their parents are not able to deal with the situation, I know some families are able to internally deal with it, and I'm very happy for those situations where they, you know, take legal action and the person is um, out of the community. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times it, it doesn't go. We, we sort of just allow the victims to... Just have to deal with it. We put the onus exists on them. With the yeah, trauma. just exists with that. And 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 in a way, we as a twenty-something-year-old person, almost oh, it's too much for us to deal with. What can I say? I don't want to get in trouble with such and such auntie. We we are becoming those aunties if we allow it to continue on, and knowing exactly that it's going on. So break the patterns, break the yeah. cycles. Be that voice. Be, be that brave person. Yeah, for the people. Because who at need this you. point, if you grew up in Canada and you're twenty-something years old, you have more privilege and you have less less excuses than your auntie to deal with that shit in an appropriate, healthy way for your family. Mm -hmm. So instead of complaining about it on with a cute little Twitter phrase, oh, aunties, da-da-da-da-da, you know, that's cool, get it out like that, that's fine. Do something about it. But call that cousin who was hurt. Mm -hmm. I think that's an... Don't talk shit with your other fucking no, cousins I about it. I think like, it's a very you know important I mean? message. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we have that responsibility, and I know you talked about... From serious about things all the way up to not serious things. Yeah. Like that little girl that's beside her other cousin who's light-skinned, and there's the dark-skinned cousin. The dark-skinned cousin never heard at Christmas time or at the family gathering that she's so pretty. Make it your fucking job to go tell that little girl that she's pretty. It's the little things. Tell her her features, yeah. her non-European features are pretty. Tell her her dark skin is pretty. Tell her her frizzy, curly hair is pretty. You know what I mean? Yep. Don't just blame it on the aunties now. Stop it now. The aunties are the aunties. So fucking what? I'm tired of that excuse. Let's yeah. be the change. Okay, that wraps up this episode. Because <laughs> and what more, drop the mic. I know, what, what more needs to be said? No, I think that is such an important you message, know? right? It's, it's about stop passing on the blame. Yeah. And take responsibility for it yourself. If you want change, be if the If your change. auntie said dumb shit when you were growing up, do you think she's going to stop saying dumb shit now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
this is this is why you work with young people. You, know? you keep working with young people, but also it's just not your responsibility, like you said. It's everyone's. It's and, all our responsibility, and it doesn't have to be this huge, you know, global wave. Just no. within your own families, and it, it's the small things that change it. Dealing with your family is the hardest. It is. <laughs> it is. But, it's you know, it's, it's the right step forward and it's the only way to break cycles. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, and I know a lot of our generation always says, well, when I have kids, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. But within our families, we have young people anyway. So who's going to yeah. do it for them? We are their uncles and their aunties and their big brothers and their big sisters. Yeah. You know? And they look at you like the cool, older, whatever. So be that for them. Don't let them down. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. And this is exactly why we have a part two, because we had these important conversations and we talked about body. We talked about autonomy. We talked about sex. We talked about, you know, love and what that means and mm. self-care. Um, and there were a lot of questions, like just how people approached you about the, um, the topic and the episode that we had. I also had people approach me and being like, that was incredible. Like, Frida yeah. was amazing. Yeah. There was actually a woman who <laughs> said she was married for about 12 years. Wow. And okay. so she was, I'm, I didn't ask for her age because I guess it doesn't really matter. But okay. I'm assuming she was over the age I of 30. I wish this was live right now. Like, we were like Frasier. Yeah. And we could just do like the live call. I could be like, okay, so describe. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know? And you know, maybe it's one hard. day. But yeah. she was talking about how she wished... You know, she heard these conversations when she was growing up. Yes. Um, and the thing about doing episodes like this is that it somehow gets people to let out and speak about what they're going through. You become this kind of safety blanket for yeah, them. Yeah. And I'm grateful that people <laughs> yeah. see us that way and yeah. they want to share with us um, and they want to share their experiences with us. But she was just talking about how she wish, you know, she heard these when she was younger and X, Y, and Z, but like how it motivated her to have these discussions with her daughter who's four years old. Great. Um, and I'm like, incredible. That's, awesome. that's that's all it takes. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying about yes. be that person, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be um, you telling a thousand people on social media. It could just be within your own home. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly why we're doing a part two because part one – Open the gates. To, oh, even for uh, yourself. Remember my tip. Yeah. Just pop that pussy, take a mirror out, and pop that pussy. And check it out for yourself. And, and Somebody that, else shouldn't be getting all that, you know. The advice still stands. The advice pop still stands. Pop that pussy for a real one. Um, meeting yourself. There you go. That's, that's self-love. Yeah. Self-love. Yeah. And yeah, so we got a lot of questions, um, yeah. especially when the episode first came out. And I'm like, hold on. Let me like note these down. Yeah. and we're So many guys in my DMs after that. Really? A lot of guys after that episode in my DMs, but not like inappropriate, like good, like, man, I can't believe. Like healthy. Yes. That's good. I couldn't believe it myself, honestly. Brown men being like, wow, yeah, that is something we need to talk about. You know what? Let's go into. There's tons of women. I want to thank the women all day, every day. Thank you so much for that support. I had no idea that my ass would have to become a quote unquote sexpert. Which I am not, by the way. But I really want to put out there I'm not. Lived experiences. That's what we're talking about. Lived experiences. None yes. of us are, you know, education, yeah. like educated in sex. In I particular. really don't want to. Yeah, I just want to put that out um, there. But so much, so much good uh, feedback from dudes. Which goes into our first question. And yeah. we were talking about this a little bit. Also, I, I want to let everyone know how Frida walked into the studio today. She had a pad in her hand, just casual, you know, puts her bag down, puts her phone down. She's like, oh, I have a pad in my hand. And I'm like, if that doesn't set the tone, yeah. I don't know what does. But 
Um, the first question we got a lot of, and you and I were talking about it with uh, the couple, our friends in the studio right now. Yeah. And how there's this whole thing of, you know, and I say it all the time too as a joke. Men yeah. are trash, you know. Yeah, men, yeah, yeah. Men can be trash. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. However, there's this whole notion of Tamil men are trash where we, you know, single out our men. Yes. And we say that they're trash. Yeah. And you had a really good point about that question. And this is actually a question that we did get. Okay. Um why are Tamil men trash, Frida? That's the question. Well, number one, Tamil men are not trash. Let's just dispel that. Wait, I just heard some glass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, you know, I mean, Tamil men are not trash simply because right now we're in the company of two kings. You know what I mean? Um, Yasin had to do a double take at Gal, like, me? <laughs> two, it's me. <laughs> two young kings, you know, and so... Uh, I think, you know, whenever we critique our community, it's always the worst. Our men, Tamil women. I heard guys say it about Tamil women. Oh, Tamil girls, fuck, they're crazy, bro. Mm -hmm. No, not again. Like, you know, so I hear it from both sides. And I think it's something common that happens within a lot of different ethnic communities, number one. Right. Because we know each other's trash the most intimate. That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) I could go out with a Vietnamese dude, but that his Vietnamese sister knows more about his trash than than I know about his trash. Right. So we kind of you know what happens? We keep traumatizing each other. And I think that's the that's the real issue. I think the fact that we come from a community of um, intense violence and war and intergenerational PTSD, trauma, um, yeah. intergenerational trauma, um, colonization. I mean, those are enough things to make the man female, the male female relationship, the male male relationship the female female relationship and anybody that identifies outside of that it's going to make it hard for us to relate to one another in healthy loving ways Mm -hmm. did we ever see our parents relate to each other in healthy loving ways some of us yes um a lot of us a lot of us not you know what i mean um did we see healthy relationships between our aunties and uncles you know um what did we how did did we see our mothers you know cry themselves to sleep at night these are real things in our community. And I think that's what that misunderstanding, that lack of healing between us can make our relationships quite toxic because we're not dealing with the things we saw in our homes. And we have to deal with that trauma first in order to be a good boyfriend and be a good girlfriend and be a good partner. Right. And so I think that's how, oh, Tamil men, you know, they're trash, they're this. I think it's an easy statement because a lot of us have been hurt by Tamil men. A lot of us have been hurt by our fathers. A lot of us have been hurt by our uncles, our brothers even, you know. So I think it's um, it's an emotional statement. It's one that holds truth for people in those personal situations. But let's be careful. Let's be careful not to paint our brothers. They're in this struggle with us too. Why is it harmful? Like why is, and, and I'm not talking about the people who just make jokes, right? And mm. even to some people, the jokes could be harmful too. But why is that generalized statement because, even because, like that harmful? Because when we call men trash, we allow them to believe that they can be trash. Simple as that. You tell a man that he's a dog enough, he's going to be a dog. You tell them like, oh, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. You're going to get lied to. So when we perpetuate those types of things, of uh, language sometimes what can end up happening is we're in a bad relationship we take that trash relationship and we put it on the new person Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure how that's helping the person who has been victimized and the person who's new in the relationship right already now you've put a label on somebody who hasn't showed you if they're trash or not Mm -hmm. in fact all you've done is put trash in your relationship because you keep talking about trash you're letting your trauma get 
in the way. It's like when a woman says, I don't want to be hurt again. I just don't want to be hurt again. I just don't want to be hurt again. What does the universe hear? Hurt and again. The universe is not hearing the I don't want to. That's why it's very, very important, you know, to be very specific and um, very crystal clear on our boundaries, what we like and what we don't like when we meet people. Do not feel shy to tell somebody what you like and what you don't like. And what was a lot of guys do things and a lot of people do things because it was okay in another relationship in a previous relationship. They don't even know it's trash. So that's another thing too, right? We, uh, uh, Tamil men can be retaught. And let's integrate them into our feminist talks. Let's integrate them into where we're at because it seems like Tamil women are able to articulate themselves in higher numbers better than our men. Let's bring them with us. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. Yeah, there was this interesting thing. Um, I was reading an article. Does that by, make sense? Yeah, it does. And I was reading an article. But some about, men do. But sorry, I just want to say yeah. this too. Some men do need to be called out on their trash. Oh, yeah. As they well. Exist. But they're the loud mi- minority is what we were talking about. Yes, yes. And I think too, what I've seen with certain Tamil men, and I'm, I'm, I'm totally not fabricating this. I have literally seen their self-esteem get lower because of it. Mm-hmm. Because Tamil men and, and a lot of brown men, they don't have the highest self-esteem. They're, they're not seen as um, wanted men in our society. They're almost seen as desexualized, nerdy stereotypes where they're watering from the mouth because they see a pair of tits. But so that was the right? thing. Right? So there's, the, there's, there's an article there's by a, a stereotype. black woman yeah. who was talking about... Um, and who was Which isn't true, by Yeah, the way. and she was talking <laughs> to um, her community, the black community, about how black women shouldn't give room for other people outside of the black community to shit on black men mm. right and how perpetuating similar things of right. you know black men do this black men cheat black men are that you're unintentionally maybe creating this persona for men who are already considered bottom of the totem pole or sexualized yeah. just for their bodies yeah um and how that fucks up black men young black boys growing up yeah, right, and yeah. it allows other communities to shit on them as well. I've seen brown men do that. I've seen I've seen Tamil guys back in the day when I used to be out like on King West or wherever. Um, you can still catch me on King West at times, but I'm just saying like back then when I was more in it, I would see the Tamil guys and they wouldn't know that I was Sri Lankan, so they'd be like, "Oh, I'm Guyanese or I'm Trini," because they know, and I've obviously I fault them too, but they know if they say in a downtown context that they are Tamil. Right away, a non-thumbal person is most likely going to react like, "Oh, where's your boys? Are you gonna do? Are you gonna bring out your machete?" That's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Or they feel like uh, they're going to be so strong with their sexual advances because the idea that a brown man has no game, no swag. Mm-hmm. They don't know when a girl's not into it or when a girl is because they're always just. You know, saliva hanging from the mouth. Like, oh my God, I just want to be able to touch your bum. It's like that India stereotype, bum. right? When they talk yeah. about brown men and they talk yeah. those jokes about vagina or vaginas or boobs <laughs> or bobs, right? It's, yeah. It's that whole stereotype. It's that stereotype. And it's like, that's fucked up. And of course I want to dispel that. Of course there are sexy ass Tamil men with swag, you know what I mean? That are intelligent, that can drop panties, just like other dudes out there too. It's important for that... Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. important for that because I, I do see it in our men. I do see a lack of confidence. And that's what young men should be, young boys should be hearing growing up. Not that 
you know, they're expected to be this nerdy guy or Yeah. You if you if you want to be a panty dropper, cool. And that's consensual and that works for you and that's who you are, be that. You know what I mean? If you're a person who's a little bit more shy and introverted and needs a little bit of help and you would like if a girl talked to you first, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. As long as we don't put as long as we're not judging people by the complete different ends of the yep. you know. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there you go. Why are Tamil men trash? That's your answer, right? They're not. They're not. Because they're not. Um, is there a right age to have sex? So I tried not oh to look at anyone's profiles when I was taking these questions down because I'm like, it could be. <laughs> no, no, no. It could be anyone, right? Like, it could be an older person asking yeah, this. Yeah. It could be a young person asking yeah, this. Yeah. But there are going to be other people who have the same question. So I'm yeah. like, let's not stereotype or categorize people yeah. for the questions. Yeah. And let's just write them down. Mm-hmm. So is there a right age to have sex? And I know you have a great answer for this. Um, I mean, given you're not like five, but... Is there a right age to have sex? I... Hmm. Let's open up the real book. Just kidding. There isn't. Yeah, one. right? <laughs> oh, mm. uh, I don't... To me, it's not so much about age as it is about experience. I'm just going to say that Mm -hmm. straight off the bat. Because depending on culture and depending on context. So I was talking to a male friend of mine. And um, he grew up in the city. And he was telling me in his community, being in grade 8, he was one of the last people to lose his virginity of his friends. That's grade 8. Right. So when I think about some of my students, I'm like, oh, my God, they're little babies. Yeah. Right. But in his context, in his 13 year old body and mind, what was happening in his school was that that's late, bro. Right. So there's all different. I think I think it varies. And I think if we ever talk about age, it's going to become a very sort of binary, boring conversation. And that's why I kind of want to make it more about experience. Because I think you can be 20 years old and in university and blah, 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 and lose your virginity and really have no idea what that is about, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I I think really it's about, honestly, how ready are you? Do you know about the reproductive system? Because even when I was pregnant, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't realize this and that. Like, I was, like, looking at all the pictures, like, properly, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that, number one, be educated on your body. Be educated on the vagina. Be educated on everything that you can be, you know what I mean? In terms of protection, in terms of what you like, what you don't like. Um, I think those are the more important things to take stock of. And when I look at when I had sex for the first time, I really didn't know what the fuck was going on, to be honest with you. You know, and the information that I was getting was some bullshit information. Like, you know what I mean? Are you talking about from school? Like, from friends, yeah. Like, oh, if you have sex after your period, two days after, you can't get... Oh, my God. It was some real bullshit, right? So, when I think about it, I was... um, I just think there were a lot of things that I wasn't aware of. I didn't even know what pleasure meant for me, really. You know, like, I I didn't understand all of those type of things. So I think that it's really something that one has to look at themselves, look at the factors, look what's important to you. How do you define sex? What does it even mean to have sex for the first time? Does it mean rubbing your thigh against another person's thigh and you feel good? Could You know what I mean? Are we talking about intercourse? Are we talking about um, fellatio? What are we talking about? So there's all different levels to it. 
there's different levels. There's different, you know, how will you feel if you're with the person as opposed to not with the person? Are you okay with that? So there's these all these questions to ask ourselves, I think, when it comes to the maturity of if you're ready to have sex. Yeah. It's really not about the number. Mm-hmm. But I would say, you know, the younger you are, are you going to know about fully about your body autonomy and pleasure and what's safe for you and what's not? Not really. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, are you going to be in grade eight with all the answers? Probably not. Yeah, you're not. But is that a bad thing if you did it? No. You know, I don't think I was. uh, When I think about it, yes, I gave consent. But when I look at the whole experience, I was a baby. I really didn't know what the fuck was truly going on, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And I think this goes back to episode one where you were talking about masturbation and knowing your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that's what you should explore if you're questioning. Am I ready? Right. Yeah. How comfortable are you with yourself? Exactly. And then do you want to share that with someone else? And what does that mean to you? Sexuality is always an extension of how you see yourself. Are you comfortable with saying no to people? If somebody asks you to do them favors, are you okay with saying yes when you can and no when you you know you don't want to? Mm-hmm. Are you a person who feels safe with people? Are you a person that needs to build a lot of trust with people? All of that stuff goes into when you're thinking about having sex, yeah. right? 100%. So, yeah, it's not the age. It's... The experience, like you said. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Unfortunately, we can't give you the right age. And there are so many online resources. A great resource, if I can just tell you right now that it's amazing, is a website called Advocates for Youth. Advocates for Youth. Go on there. There's tons of resources. Like, I mean tons from young people's perspectives, from sexual counselors, from therapists. Mm -hmm. So for that young person out there, if you're young, if you're old, whatever, um, because... You know, there are people who are older who also uh, haven't had sex or intercourses yet. So no matter the age, check out the website, even though it says youth and you can get information from there. Yeah. Awesome. So I guess this kind of transitions into the next question that um, someone else had is how do you deal with the societal pressures and virginity being the standard? And you kind of mentioned about someone you knew who said that he was the last person to not have sex yet and he was 13. So how do you deal with those pressures, especially now, Mm -hmm. especially now we live in this like hyper-sexualized society, right? It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, And you have access to Mm -hmm. porn and stuff. Another topic we talked about in episode, uh, season one, actually. Just go get your life and like go and rewatch and rehear all of, uh, Dash the Curry yeah, season one. Yeah, it was more. It was more like specific um, issues that we covered in that one. Yeah, and this is us exploring a little bit more in depth about what other people have to say. Um, yeah. So, how do you deal with societal pressures and this like virginity standard that everyone has? On one hand, you have society saying, "Oh my God, you're a thirty year old virgin," mm-hmm. but then on the other hand, you have this whole virginity is amazing and it's a double standard. Obviously, it's for women, right? Virginity is supposed to be sacred for women. Yeah. So how do you deal with these, like, double standards and these two opposites? For myself personally as a woman or as an educator? Let's hear from, um, as as a woman, as yourself, and then let's hear your educated approach. What would you tell your girls? Mm -hmm. Um, Virginity. First of all, it's a myth. Straight up, it's a myth. This whole idea of, quote-unquote, popping the cherry and this and that. Um, these ideas of breaking the hymen, if one wants to even call that virginity, is a very patriarchal, heterosexual, European idea. Let but, me just say this. But T.I. made his daughter go get her hymen checked to make sure she was a virgin, and she's yeah. like, what, 18? I feel like T.I. gave so many goddamn uncles 
Like, he gave so many uncles, he's like, oh, some uncle's like, oh, D.I. did that? Yeah, but I'm going to go to you know, five, I'm going to go But you know what it is? It's actually, I was like, fuck, man. Like, it's funny, but it's fucked up. Ideas. It's like, so fucked up, though, right? Isn't it kind of creepy <laughs> to be like, hey, my dad's going to take me to the doctor. Well, one thing I don't to, think like, is creepy that I don't think was mentioned, so let me try to give my yeah. little hot take on that a little bit, is one thing that I would like... Aya's father to do for her is why shouldn't he be able to take her to the gynecologist? Why shouldn't he have conversations about these types of things? Because um, maybe it might get to a point where Aya might get uh, older and she might say, you know what, dad, I'm going to deal with this with mom. And that's totally fine because you can understand why a teenage girl might want to talk to her mom Mm -hmm. about those type of things. But the idea of a father being involved in talks about sexuality and in talks about, instead of just saying, you know, close your legs or, I think. I'll, I'll shoot him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I don't want to completely throw T.I. like in the trash. Like, there's, some, there's some part of that, of a dad being actively involved in your daughter, in your daughter's life and her dating, that I think is something that we can explore in better ways. Yes. But I do want to say, because nobody really talked about that, that that was, from my culture, my perspective, I don't hear dads talk about that with women, they're, they're young girls at all. But I think you the issue I mean? with his is that he wanted to ensure that she was oh, a virgin. Oh, it was, it was right? a fear tactic. And it's that's like, the, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it goes back to what you were saying about the hymen and virginity being a myth. It's a myth because obviously it can be broken in many different instances. The breaking of it doesn't mean that you lost it or you didn't lose it. And guess what? Ain't no fucking thing to lose. If I'm going to give you the pussy, I'm giving you the pussy, bitch. That's it. Like, I gave it to you. You didn't take it. You didn't take shit from me. Like, you know what I mean? I'm giving it to you. I'm saying, okay, I'm giving you the yoni power. It's yours to give and take. It's not theirs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I feel like once we can flip that around, even mentally as a woman, I think we can understand that it is a myth. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it even even though as brown people, it's something that's highly sought after in our community still. Um, don't get it twisted. People have been having sex in our communities inside and outside of marriage for a long, long time. And prior to European colonization, sexual activity uh, within the island of Sri Lanka, within South India, was done in all types of ways. And this is prior to um, Islamic invasion, is what I'm speaking about as well. So know your facts, know your history. It is a myth, and it is a very European one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so, but then on the other you hand... You can take shit from me, whoever you are, I'm not going to name you right now. Don't feel no ways about taking my virginity, quote unquote. I took yours. <laughs> Hold on, I have to laugh and get this out of my system before we continue. Um, but no, very real, and I think, and I think that's important. Not Alex just- Halloway from Mississauga. No joking. Oh my god, is that is that his actual I just name? Picked, picked the oh, no. name? Oh no, 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 she made that up. Okay, I'm like, oh my god, did we just go there? Um, <laughs> There's apartment something. 42A. <laughs> he had an apartment? How old was he? That was a joke. <clears throat> he doesn't exist. I mean, I'm sure joke. he does exist, but it's not the, it's not the Alex Alloway you yes, know. Yes, he exists. I've lost my virginity, I promise. I would not feel comfortable coming here and talking about See, look, even I, I keep on saying lost my virginity. Sometimes you get used to the terms, speaking that yeah. way. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, you had, a, you had a daughter, so I'm assuming you had sex at some point in your life. 
No? <laughs> sorry, sorry, know. sorry. Uh, mom of Frida Banks. <laughs> she did not. What are you talking about? We went yeah. and picked it's up like a Virgin child. Mary over here. Come on, guys. Um, yeah, and I guess oh, no. it's, it's, it's virginity. Virginity is so funny. Virginity. Even that word. It's you funny. Know? It's my grandmother has actually, my grandma's Catholic, so she has a statue of the Virgin um, of Guadalupe, oh. El Virgen de Guadalupe, and it's like, you know, the, the Mother Mary, but in Mexico, people really worship her, so yeah. she has that, and right beside is my picture, and I was like, oh my <laughs> god, I'm like, mama, I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? What is she trying to tell you? I don't know. <laughs> Oh my God! It's, it's Let's just say I grew up with my parents and my grandparents. Think about that. That's some. That's some shit. You can't get away with a lot when you live with your parents and your grandparents. I can't take the picture out of my head. Of like, <laughs> I'm. I'm trying to imagine which picture from your Instagram would be next to the statue. <laughs> oh God, no! Oh God. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, like virgin virginity. It's it's a myth. It's All a right. myth. It doesn't exist. Um, and don't let people make you feel bad about it. You can, and it's up to you however you want to. I mean, I was just talking about it with my friend on the way up here and just the information that you need, that you can and cannot tell. You don't have to tell your partner anything about your previous sexual history. You don't owe that to anybody. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a virgin again for the 10th time, you do that, girl. If that, if you feel like that keeps you safe for whatever reason, I'm not into like fretting about who you are as a person. I think anyone that knows me from these podcasts knows that I'm, about living an authentic life. Mm-hmm. But people have to do things for whatever reasons. Communal policing, their parents are going to send them away somewhere. They're going to get a beat down. Like, just very real things. If you need to lie and you need to do what you need to do, that's on, you, yeah. you do that. You take whatever safety precautions you have to take as a brown girl. Because we have to take a lot. Okay, but what if the boy and his friends are like, oh my god, you're still a virgin? And, and I think that's the weird place that a lot of young um, South Asian kids face, you know, and I see that definitely within the programming as well, right? Which is like, you know, you have some girls in the program and they're dating and even some of them might be queer and different stuff that's happening there. And then you have some who are not even thinking about that at all, right? And I think that's okay. I think that I think that's totally fine. I think that Brown kids are supposed to live this life at home and this live this life outside, and both can be so hard to balance. It's confusing because when I come home, I have to be this particular way, and when I'm at school, if I bring my values from home, then all of a sudden I'm a nerd, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I'm the good brown girl, right? So it's it's I think it's a hard thing for our kids to navigate, which is why we need more programs about it, especially to talk about sexuality and gender and and all of those things. One hundred percent. I wanted to go into the next question, which is also kind of tied to this. I'm trying mm-hmm. to go in an order where these questions kind of yeah. flow because everyone's asked different stages of these questions, right? Someone else said, "Is it wrong for me to judge someone who is sexually reckless?" So I'm not sure what they mean by sexually reckless. Mm. I'm gonna say let's interpret that in our own way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say sexually promiscuous, like that's what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. sexually reckless so is it is it wrong for me or this the person asking the question to yeah. judge someone else for what they do well let me say this i think it's very interesting in this era and in this particular me too era for us not to be able to call something reckless as a woman because if we call it reckless then we're slut shaming well guess what that's fucking stupid <laughs> don't fucking come and police me 
about shit. If there's a 16-year-old, let's say, let's just say. Define reckless, though. I'm going to yeah. right now. I'm going to right now. And it's very fucking clear. If there's a, like, a person who's underage, let's say, let's say they've been through trauma or something like that, and they are blacking out and having sex. And when they wake up, they don't remember shit. That's called fucking reckless. And if my daughter did that shit, I'd sit her fucking ass down and I'd be like, you are motherfucking reckless. So I want to get outside of this idea that we can't call behavior reckless. We can. Because I'm an educator. I've seen reckless behavior. I have been reckless as a grown person. There are points in my life where I've been mad reckless. I've like not even sexually, just all types of shit, you know? And so there comes a time when the frontal lobe of your brain is not yet developed. So we are going to have behaviors that are not going to be the same thing that a 30-year-old person who has been through this life is going to have. Mm -hmm. So let's just put that in, in context. If this person is underage. Now, oh my God, let me swing the pendulum all the other way. If this quote-unquote friend is reckless and they're grown, and what this person defines reckless is them having consensual sex with on their terms people. with multiple people. To me, there's nothing reckless about that. Mind your business. Yeah. If you're the friend, you can be like, hey, I, you know, I noticed this. Are you cool with that? You can always ask your friend a question without judging them. I ask my friends questions. Sometimes I have a feeling. Sometimes I have a feeling about a bitch, and I'll be like, are you really moving like this? Like, I have, you have those feelings, those in, mm -hmm. intuitive feelings. But what you can always do is, hey, are you okay? Are you okay with that? Did you do, were you sober when that, when that happened? Um, okay, cool. Well, if you're cool with it, I'm cool with it. You just let me know whatever support. That, those are the questions and the conversations that I like to have with my friends. Because that lets them know I am still open for whatever you do need. So if next week you deem what you did last week as not so good for your life, I'm going to be here not judging you, listening to you the whole way. And if five months from now you realize this is the best way you've ever lived your life, then you do you, girl, and that's great. Mm -hmm. But the way I say accountable to that friendship is, again, like asking questions instead of making judgments. Once you turn, when you become the judgy friend, your girl's not going to talk to you anymore about those type of things. Yeah. And what you do is you take away your friend's safe spaces by being that, you know, misjudgy. Being the anti that you're always complaining about. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So there's a difference. But if you are underage now and there's things that are happening and there's blackout drunk and there's a lot of things that this person is doing to try and... You could even be older and a person has trauma and they're seeking dealing with their trauma through sex addiction or through um, getting some type of outside validation from people. There is a good time to send people, you know, websites, to send people some resources and to gently nudge no matter the age. But I, I'm not a feminist that believes, oh, there's no such thing as being reckless. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, you know what I mean? Oh, I think it's harmful. To I, think part, I think part of my feminism is there's, I want to be as realistic as I can with giving young people strategies, again, of how to move forward through the life. And not harming themselves. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to go up to like a bunch of 16-year-old girls and say, you can wear whatever the fuck you want. You go on the TTC and show your ass cheeks off. Right? Now, I might say that to my friend Krista. <laughs> I mean, like, girl, you, you better show that shit off, you know? It's a total different, this context to yeah. my feminism. And there's safety to my feminism. It's not one size for all. What fits a white woman with privilege is going to um, fit a 16-year-old thumble girl in Scarborough. Right. Fuck no. And let's not pretend it does. Mm -hmm. And so... 
But you're you're saying take action, as in like be that person who says something about it, as opposed to just sitting there quietly judging someone. Ask a question. Yeah. Ask a question in the way that I'm talking right now. Mm-hmm. See this tone right here. How you doing, girl? Yeah, was that good? That means someone has to master the Frida tone. But that's just like <laughs> it's so difficult. So do you teach a class? <laughs> I can DM me. Um, but How like to be that. a better friend, yeah. yeah. Just be a better friend. Yeah. Don't judge someone. Just... Was everything good last night? Yeah, okay. And if she's laughing and she's having a good time, then you know, then you kind of know where to take the conversation from. There are there. limitations. Like There's you limitations. mentioned, you mentioned social media, and and we are in 2020 now, um, and I think we are in a society where everything is okay. You should do this. You should do that. And it's like okay, everything's slut shaming. Everything is shaming. If you're a person that wants to tell anybody outside of do whatever the fuck you want to do, you go, girl. It's like, how the fuck am I slut shaming? It's like, like being. Lizzo. I, I, I honestly find that actually offensive as a woman. Mm-hmm. That means that you think my intelligence and my feminism is so uh, superficial that it's one size fits all for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, just my, Lizzo, my feminism is a lot more intelligent than that. Just because you know? Lizzo goes to a basketball game with her <laughs> butt off, and she's, and she's got a great body, but doesn't mean yeah. that you should do it too, like you said. Her butt looks um, so smooth. It looks really nice and really smooth. She's, I just wanted got, to say she's that. She's got her skincare routine on pat. Yeah. But that's some her, good exfoliating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there, there is context, and I think that's important. You're you're right. We should be. We should hold people accountable, and we should ask these questions. If you care for someone, ask some questions. Yeah. If you think they're hurting themselves, you can ask without prying. It's you might not get it right the first time, but trust me, your friend will appreciate it. Awesome. Um, this question was interesting to me <clears throat> because. One, I was just, maybe it's a generational thing. And I'm like, if my husband did this, I'd be like, fuck you. Oh, my God. Um, and But you're also married. And so maybe, you know, from someone from a married perspective, mm-hmm. I know that your partner does not do this. But if this were the case, what would you tell someone if this was your friend? So the question is, my husband of eight years mm-hmm. gets upset if I masturbate. How do we have, but the last part of her question was very, you know, intel- like it was very mature. Mm-hmm. How do we have a healthy conversation about this? Yeah. Right. So she clearly loves her partner because she wants to move forward with this. Um, but she needs, you know, advice on how to have these conversations with someone who is getting upset about masturbation. It's like, what about masturbation is, you know, causing him to be upset? And what would you do if this was your friend? Like, your girlfriend sat you down and said this to you. My husband gets upset. I'm masturbating. Get a quiet vibrator. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> that too, <laughs> That though. might not be. Yeah, I mean, that, that too. Um, but um, it, this is hard to say because I don't know any of the dynamics. I think with answering these questions, I'm going to try to go from specific to broad, broad to specific, going this way, that way, New trying to take it to yeah. extremes because I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if her partner is religious. I don't know if her partner is particularly patriarchal i don't know if do you know what i mean yeah. i don't know if the partner's been sexually traumatized himself or has never had sexual experiences before marriage or things of that sort that's right? the thing yeah. it's really really hard to gauge this so i would gauge it depending on she's been married for eight years she says eight years so then you have an idea of who the person is and what their hang-ups are and if they are linked to any trauma for him or if they're linked to something deeply religious, and if you met them and they were always like this, then I would suggest couples therapy. I would suggest getting, because I, I would say have the talks alone, but if you're dealing with something that you already knew the person was like this when you met them, 
and it's coming from their family and it's just it's so they're so influenced like it's going to be very hard they're going to have to go through a paradigm shift to actually understand this you have to understand like uh, what i understand about marriage is that do you want to win the war do you want to win the battles do you want to win the little mini fights so i think what this person has to ask herself is is the masturbation about being herself is the is the masturbation really code or is an example for that she can't be who she really wants to be in the relationship the control thing you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. the sexual things that happen to us are microcosms of the things that are already existing within us and within our relationship if you have a lot of insecurity in your life just because you can fuck when you're drunk does not mean you have confidence. Mm-hmm. It means you're still an insecure little kid inside that's using alcohol as a mechanism to get some type of courage in order to express yourself. That's what it means. Sexuality is, there's always something deeper. So that's what I have to, why I want to ask this woman, is this an issue of really you just being you? Or is it, a, is it an issue of everything's okay except he's just, like, yeah, he's open-minded, we're good, we, we're pretty much on the same things, but he doesn't like when he can't share in sexual experiences with me. Now, that's another thing. Now, that can involve some creativity. That can be kind of fun, getting him on board in terms of that. Making him understand that the vibrator is not his enemy, but a tool, an assistant, if you will, mm-hmm. you know? And that bringing in that tool and that assistant with your partner might help him um, alleviate the anxiety that he has maybe with just seeing this random toy around or if it's a dildo is that the you're going to leave him for a dildo right or is a dildo bigger than his one there's all types of insecurities I think that people feel you know um, and I think like I said if it's not a deeper issue and if it's one they can kind of see eye to eye on without mediation then yeah maybe bringing it in showing him that it doesn't replace you but what it does is it helps me fantasize a healthier sexual life for myself. Mm-hmm. And in envisioning a healthier sex life for myself, that obviously includes you as my husband. Right. Sometimes men need to feel included. And um, it, that could be. And then the next time they're together, you know, you bust out the vibrator or you bust out whatever toy it is if he's comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good advice. I also like that you mentioned mediation, which our community still is a little apprehensive about, especially when you oh, talk fuck. about Oh, fuck. Our community used to be the first fucking people in couples therapy. Mm. <laughs> Don't I know. Um, yeah. I mean, like, to whoever asked this question, good luck. I hope you guys figure out. Yeah, good luck. Out. And you can always DM me. Yeah. Like Frida underscore Banks. It's not wrong to masturbate, so don't feel bad about it. Oh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with masturbating. I think um, healthy communication in terms of that in in a relationship is cool it's not a replacement but it's an addition Mm -hmm. you know 100 percent um this next question it's kind of very broad but are intimacy and sex linked i'm gonna say no but i want to hear what frida banks has to say about this well why do you say no i don't think i think intimacy doesn't have to be sexual right intimacy could be a lot of things it could be words you can be intimate with people who are not your love, your partners. Um, so I don't think they're the same thing. Intimacy yeah. and I think sex are just, sex could just be sex for a lot of people, right? Without intimacy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So totally. yeah, I, I don't think they're linked, but what, what are your thoughts on that? 
Um, I think that it's the most, I don't think they have to be linked, but I think it's the most common link that's mistakenly linked constantly together, if that makes sense, that sentence. That the two go hand in hand a lot of times without people understanding um, that there is a separation mm -hmm. between them and that one does not have to equal the other. Sex right. does not have to equal intimacy. Sex does not have to equal penetration. Mm -hmm. Again, these are heteronormative, yes. European, yes. colonial ways yes. to express a wide array of, of the world of sexuality. A hundred yeses. Right? You yeah. can literally rub thighs with somebody, and if that gives you an orgasm, then that's an orgasm for you. Yeah, and also, not uh, not everyone can have sex, right? Yeah. There, we live in this world where we think that you can have sex one way or another, but you can't. There are a lot of people, due to circumstances not in their hands, can't have sex, but that doesn't mean that they lack intimacy in their yes. relationships. Yes, or some people are asexual. They just don't want to have, have sex. sex. Yeah. But they, they live with their partner. They want to... They're in love. Yes. They can hold hands. Yeah. They cuddle. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then there are some people that can... It's the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. Again, there's some, some good stuff uh, on that as well on Advocates for Youth website mm -hmm. on as well if you find yourself asexual or you're questioning if you are. Yeah. And I guess even when, when you mentioned youth, even if you're younger and we talked about, you know, when are you ready to have sex? Like, what is that age? Even if you're not ready, you can totally be in a relationship and have intimacy without physically getting Absolutely. involved with each other. So, Absolutely. yeah. Um, know yourself. That's the, that's the best thing. Know yourself before you have sex. As, well, not even. I think it's always we're always going to keep on knowing ourselves, but try to know yourself, you know. As best as you can yeah. before you engage in all types of intimacy. Yeah. Let's not just say sex. All types of stuff. Awesome. Um, wow. I mean, part two even feels like it needs a part three. But I know. <laughs> before we before we conclude this episode, I want to go into uh, a particular topic because, you know, Frida, you're a mom. Yes. You have the insight of someone who personally experiences this or will experience this as your daughter gets older. How do you talk to your kid about sex? Even if you, as a parent, mm -hmm. is not ready for them to be having it. So this question came from a parent. Nice. Um, and I think, he, obviously, as a parent, I think you should answer this. Um, what are your insights as a mom? How do you talk to your kids about sex? Well, first of all, big up to all the listeners who ask these amazing questions. Seriously. You know, thank you. In our community, this is a step. Right. Just mm -hmm. even asking these questions. For sure. And I would say as a parent, the first thing I think is if you, if the kid is coming now, is the kid coming to ask about sex? Um, or I'm not sure. I wasn't sure because I didn't want to keep asking questions just yeah. because I, I didn't want to get too heavily involved in these conversations just yet. Mm -hmm. But let's give it two contexts. So maybe let's talk about this parent being someone who knows that their child is getting to that age okay, and okay. schools are going to be talking about okay. it. And then let's also talk about the parent who has a kid who comes up and it's like, hey, mom, what the <laughs> fuck is sex? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the first thing is first, if you are bringing a child into this life through contraception <laughs> and the act of having sex, <laughs> fucking talk to your kid about sex. Yeah, I don't know. Like, why creation it's is so still as I get older, I'm still like it's crazy because I've been living in this planet for a while, but it still confuses me. Sex is not here, <laughs> and we're all here. This is sex. Sexuality is all in this room, not even because we're talking about it, because we are sexual beings. 
walking and talking. Mm-hmm. Can we just say that? Like, yeah. guys, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And if it does seem like a big deal for you, the first thing you can do as a parent, start investigating in yourself. Why is this a big deal for me? Am I uncomfortable with saying penis and vagina? Am I uncomfortable with saying to my kid, you were brought forth? You know, when I don't know, the time's going to come and I'm going to be like, yo, I, uh, your dad and I were in love, man. You came out of love. <laughs> you came in this world with like the utmost love, you know? And that's something that should be celebrated. It's mm-hmm. not anything to be ashamed of, you know? The fact that not everybody can be born from that love. So that's that's the first thing. It's like if there is, if you had a very positive time, you know, bringing forth this child into the world, then you're already coming with a pretty good perspective than where a lot of other people are coming from, right? Because it's not always a very happy, healthy thing to bring a to bring forth a life into this world for, mm-hmm. for women and for mothers. So I would say get comfortable with yourself. Figure out what your hangups are. Do you have hangups on birth control? Do you have some type of religious stuff that is playing a part in your belief system? Um, do you believe the things that you were told about sex? That's the first thing the parent needs to do. Mm-hmm. In fact, having a child, what I can tell parents, and I hate to give parenting advice. Literally, I do not. But the one piece of non-advice advice I can give is, as, as a parent, the biggest gift you can give your child is not a savings fund. It is doing self-work. Take your ass to therapy. If you do not deal with your pettiness, the things inside of you, your insecurities, your anger, the things we all have as human beings, the things that I still have that I have to work through every single day. If you do not do the work as a parent, it will be a disservice to your child Mm -hmm. because you will end up putting your hang ups and you will end up putting your um, lack of healing on them. And it's, it's not at the fault of the parents. Sometimes the parents are not aware. They don't know. You know, so that's why I want to get this type of parenting this ideology out there. It's not about what we think as parents. It's about what type of child do you have? And all we can do as parents is create the safest space for this child, whoever they are, to grow into, right? And let me dispel this myth as well for the, for the mom that asked. There's this idea that if you talk to your young, people, uh, young children about sex, that they are more likely than to be sexually active. Um, active. Let me debunk that myth again. There are studies that prove this is simply not the case. There are studies out there. Of course, studies can be, you know, there's different studies to prove another study. Mm -hmm. But some of these surveys actually found out um, that the younger, well, not the younger, but the kids who had spoken to their parents about sex, about contraception, about all of those things, actually waited longer to engage in quote-unquote activity. Right. And so that's something I think parents need to understand as well, because it's scary. It is a hypersexualized world. You don't want your kid just going down one Internet black hole one day and then all of a sudden everything is there. So I would say as a parent, be proactive about it. But how do you do it? Deal with yourself first. Right. If there are things that are happening in the household. So, for instance, if you see something on TV about birth control or you see a commercial so I use anything as a learning opportunity with my daughter right Mm -hmm. like anything that we see like there was a shooting at a school I heard about it on CBC radio I was listening to it that then became a conversation about people um, about mental health now I did it for a five-year-old but the point is is that she asked the question and I had to respond right and when she was at school I thought about other ways I could respond and when she came home what did I do we sat down and we talked about it. 
I gave her a snack. And I was like, oh, hey, can we talk about this? You remember when we were saying this? And then she's like, yeah. Well, why do people do that? Why are people sad? You know, and then we could talk more about it. It's also like trusting that your child is very intelligent. And right? that, that brings up another point. When you are talking about sex and your children do have questions, talk to them a little bit higher level, at a, at a higher level than what you think they can understand because oftentimes parents and caregivers underestimate the intelligence of children. Mm -hmm. They're actually more, sometimes more mature and intelligent than us when it comes to certain things, right? And so speak in a way, if they need to clarify, they will ask you, right? And then also I would say, um, go, I mean, we live in an amazing world right now. Like there are so many good resources out there for parents to to talk about it, Mm -hmm. right? As a parent, if you have particular beliefs at home, why don't you do a little bit of research of what your kid is actually engaging in at that age when it comes to sexuality, whether that be an email or a conversation with their teacher or their guidance counselor. Now, a parent might look at me and be like, I work two full-time jobs. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, I never said parenting was easy. Yeah. I never said it was easy. But you took on the responsibility. You know? You decide to. It's, it's difficult. I think a lot of our parents didn't have these conversations because they were simply too busy working. And their minds were on, uh, you talked about it in the last podcast, survival. Mm-hmm. But for our generation, you'd be surprised. I know it might seem like a lot of work right now when you're thinking about it. But parents, do the work now. So that when your child becomes a teenager, they're not going to listen to you anymore. Mm-hmm. You have to do all the work before they become a preteen. The groundwork, yep. If you don't do the pre... When they become a preteen, all they're going to want to do is distance themselves from you, right? And that's not the time where you can be like, hey, I told you. That's, not the, that's the time you become their friend. That's the time that hopefully you become your child's confidant. Mm-hmm. It might not be like that, but that's the idea, right? Because at that point, I see a lot of parents trying to chime in when, they, when all of a sudden they look and their little girl's not a little girl anymore and their little boy's not a little boy anymore. Unfortunately... There was a there was a there was a there was a time there that might have been missed that would have been the prime time to like talk about it. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, even if you haven't had those conversations, it's never too late. Right. It's never too late. Although things do happen to the brain psychologically when they get into that preteen, the chemicals that you know, yeah. your parent you know, yeah. it's it's like you wanna you wanna distance yourself from the home space a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And that's when parents get all paranoid about it. And they get clingy. Yeah. Yeah. So the younger sure. the better, I think, without even having to make it always about sex or penetration or something like that. Teach your kids about good touch, bad touch, about what your boundaries are, about how to be a good friend. Because those things will help Healthy them understand. relationships, what that looks like. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like when they go out and they don't wanna hug every uncle and auntie, listen to them and tell them that's okay. Yeah. I think we talked about this, right, where um, in our culture in particular, we have this whole thing where our parents would be like, give this person a kiss when yeah. they're young kids. Um, and I actually have a friend who has a young child who's very good at this, who will be like, I don't tell my kid to do any of that. Like, if my kid wants to go give an auntie a kiss or a hug, then they can do that themselves. But if someone says to my child, come give me a kiss or a hug, I'm not going to compel my child to do that. My child has to want to do. And I think that's so important. And I'm yeah. like, that's. it sounds so simple, but it's actually quite groundbreaking within our culture. Because you're teaching that kid that they're no means something. Mm-hmm. So a kid they who... They have autonomy. A, a young person that en- like has that privilege of knowing, oh, my no can actually mean no. You're really setting up your kid for life. Yeah. Right? So that's what I mean. It doesn't always have to be like the birds and the bees, but it always starts with autonomy, boundaries, 
healthy relationships, so on and so forth, right? Yeah, and that's important. So, I mean... I'm going to sit down, Aya, when she gets around a certain time and she's ready, and I'm going to show her straight up pictures of herpes. Yeah. I'll be like, look at this shit. Look at this. You don't want this. Like, yeah. like You I don't want it. Like, I would have, like, like look up research, like, whatever kid, like... The nastiest I, picture in the world. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, this like, is that one time, that kid, like, just because it's, like, know the information that's out there. Yeah. You know, know what can happen, know what it looks like. I didn't know what herpes was. I just heard about herpes. Herpes, herpes. What was it? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I want her, not not to scare her out of it, but for her to understand because we are living where SEDs are, like, rising. For and sure. Just, it's I mean, setting come a on. realistic, yeah, you yeah. know, example. And also showing her that, you know, if God forbid something like this happens and, you know, it happens to people that you know, you can come to me. We can talk about it. Um, it's also setting the groundwork. And I think that's what you got into a little bit as well, right? Like, you don't just one day have this conversation. It's no. about raising your children. Um, and it, it makes it easier, I and maybe guess. and maybe it's partly the old school in me. Who knows? Maybe it is the old school brown auntie in me that in a way is just kind of like, okay, you, you want to talk about all the nice things in life? That's not balance. Mm-hmm. If I were to, as a parent, to be like, oh, I, uh, it's just, you know, it's going to be like a bed of roses. And then you like, no, you have yeah. to understand both in life to make the decision that's informative for you. 100%. You know, so. Um, yeah. And I guess to wrap up this very informative episode, which I'm sad to see come to an end. For those young people or older people who don't have that parent, right? There's a lot of us who, who don't. Um, where can they access these resources? I'm so sorry. Where can they access these resources? I know that you said Advocates for Youth is one. Advocates for Youth, um, if you go on Toronto Health website, um, there are... So if you're in the city, there are many different spaces that you can just literally type online. And there are groups, there are programs, there are city stuff. There are, um, there's a clinic right beside Scarborough Town, right in the Scarborough Town section, like right where the... I like, didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah, behind the mall, um, where you can go and you can get reduced um, birth control. You can go and you don't need your parents to go and get tested and all that type of stuff. So there's clinics all around where you can do that anonymously. Right. Number one. Number two, if you are queer and not living in the city and or if you're not queer um whatever queer gender binary like whatever it is um there are facebook is a good way to get in touch with other young people who are going through issues with you i say facebook because there's less of a way for people to hide their identity Mm -hmm. like with a few clicks you can see if somebody's real if their friends are real like there's a little bit more of um, a safety there and i want to say that facebook also has a lot of these groups for young people to talk about sexuality in a more healthy way Um, even advocates for youth on there are websites and are even chat rooms from 12 years old up with actually psychologists and um, adult people sort of like taking, I guess, coordinating the space of it. So there's a lot of things out there that um, you can get that are all online and very accessible. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it, please. You know, none of these things were here. You know, I think the one thing that we have to just be careful about the internet, like anything, you can't trust just a picture or something, do a little bit of research, like see how many people are following, see who's in the groups, like do all of that, check. Um, but there are, you know, you will be able to find somebody, something that's going on in your area or online that can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Toronto Health, like there's there's clinics everywhere where you can do this, uh, get checked, get information anonymously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. 
Frida Banks, thank you so much for coming on the season as well. And it's been really informative. I, uh, I'm not a parent myself, but the fact that, you know, you have that insight to share with so many of our listeners who are, you know, mothers and fathers. So thank you for sharing that insight with us. And I know that, you know, neither of us are professionals, but sometimes it's just the lived experiences that make it that much more valuable, right? Absolutely. And, you know, thank you so much for having me. Like, it's hilarious. I've become a sexpert. Um, I'll take the pseudo. What you do. I'll okay. take the pseudo title and um, check out Women's Health and Women's Hands as well. And of course, we'll set up uh, a list with all the links that people can check out and um, feel yeah. free. You know? and, and so where can people just follow you? Like Frida, what, what you're up to? Cause, like, yeah, I'm an artist doing, too, guys. Yeah. I'm acting. I'm writing a show. There's all this other cool shit that I'm doing. Um, but yeah, Frida, F-R-I-D-A underscore Banks, B-A-N-K-S. I'm not a superhero, but I'm going to try to help as much as I can. I Like I said, I've mistakenly become this person that people ask these questions to. And if you are a young person and you are in a bind and you don't know who to talk to and you can't trust anybody, DM me. Mm-hmm. Just DM me. There's also, you know, kids' help phone line. There's hotlines out there. But we can make a list of all that stuff as yeah. well. I think that's awesome that you're encouraging people to reach out to you. Um, and I think that's important. And you're doing exactly what you were telling other people to do, right? You're not being a hypocrite. You're saying, hey, talk to the young people, but I don't want to talk to you, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much for all the work that you do. Thank you. um, Thank you. Tumble Girls everywhere. And I I look forward to seeing our community get stronger. And I know we've already come so far. And I'm looking forward to where we go from here. The future is bright. Yeah. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Until next time, you can listen to Dasha Cuddy.